Hey everybody, welcome to the DNVR Rams podcast presented by Canyon Bakehouse. Before we jump into the show, I want to tell you about the delicious, certified, gluten-free breads, bagels, English muffins, and other baked goods that are made right here in Johnstown, Colorado. Canyon Bakehouse's gluten, dairy, nut, and soy-free products make it easy for families to enjoy the taste and texture of fresh bread so everyone can love bread again. Find them at any major grocery store in the freezer or fresh bread aisle, or purchase online and visit canyonglutenfree.com to grab a coupon. On the high screen, Dorian kicked to the corner, Feirano for three. It's good with the foul! And back to throw is the quarterback, and Hayward is sacked by Joey Porter. Page takes it in, scores. J.D. Or Stevens lets it go, and there's your touchdown. Michael Gallup. Got it down low. Hornung. Dunk! And here come the students. Leading by 10. Here's Van Pelt. He's at the 5. Touchdown, Colorado State. What's up? We are back with another edition of the DNVR Rams podcast presented by Canyon Bakehouse. As always, I'm your host, Justin Michael. And man, what a weekend. What an experience. I I just had such a good time going to Duke. Obviously, the game, you know, didn't didn't play out like the Ram faithful were hoping for. But, you know, as I wrote in both of my articles about the game, I just think this entire experience was about so much more than just winning and losing. I think in the long run, it's going to be good for CSU, not only this season, but just in terms of building the program as a whole. And that's kind of what we're going to talk about today, uh, as well as a, a couple of other things. Just, you know, a few, a few side notes. I've never experienced a basketball arena that comes even remotely close to Cameron Indoor, the First of all, just everything about the arena is really cool. It it looks and feels kind of like a basketball cathedral in some in some ways. Uh, really, really pretty architecture, really old. Uh, you can tell they have really leaned into the mystique of just the arena itself. Like there's not a there's not a lot of fancy renovations or anything like that. Uh, we we were joking, Kevin Lytle and I. Uh, we were sitting next to each other on press row and we we're joking you know i think they actually have a, a nicer scoreboard at moby arena than they currently do at cameron indoor so like that is what it's like it's it's old school it's everything is pretty much original the the seats behind us were wooden and all scratched up and really like six inches behind the the media row i've i've never been in arena in an arena where the where the students get to sit just so close to one to the court the fact that they're that close to the court is cool because 
they really get in the players' heads. It really makes it an intense environment, but also just like breathing down my neck. There were times where I like literally had, you know, people bumping into my back and stuff. And it's, it's fun. I'm, I'm not complaining at all. It was definitely tight and not necessarily the most like comfortable experience in the world, but it was certainly a bucket list experience. And I just had such a wonderful time with the whole thing. And yeah, just, I think everything about it was good. I mean, I understand the argument that you never want to lose big. And that was kind of the big debate on, on Twitter was one, what can CSU, you know, gain out of a blowout loss like that? Well, I answered that in both my articles. I talked about, you know, what CSU needs to do better. I talked about, you know, what the experience as a whole was like for the Rams and why I still feel like it was an opportunity for them to grow and, and all of that stuff. But more than anything, I think it was just a chance for the team and, and the players to to really experience something special. I was talking with Nico Medved before the game, just kind of sitting down on the court and, you know, we were talking about this is a this is a once in a lifetime experience for most people, you know? Whether you're a fan or whether you're a player or even someone like me, you know, it was just it was truly something special. And I think in the long run it's it's good to have moments like that when you're trying to to build a program, especially given the context of why the last coaching staff was dismissed. I mean, everyone, I understand that like Larry Stacy had some success and the point of this is not to bash on him. It really isn't. But, you know, he, he drew a lot of fair criticism because he didn't really take the extra steps to one, engage with the community two to just really do everything that he could to make it a memorable experience for the players to really just build a program and and make it successful it's it's the little things like this that go a long way it's it's good for Nico Medved to be in this national exposure and showing CSU and showing that they're not afraid to play anyone so I just think in the long run it's going to it's going to pay dividends for this program I if you're a subscriber definitely go and check out those articles I wrote about him because both of them, you know, were 1,200 words plus, so it really went in-depth there, so I don't necessarily want to give it all away here, but there were plenty of takeaways in this game. I, I really liked what we saw out of David Roddy and Isaiah Stevens. I think just the fact that they they showed up in these bright lights is really encouraging. Their first true road game ever, uh, both of these guys leading the way with 12 points apiece. I mean, ultimately... Duke was just they were just too much for CSU to handle I mean their their length their athleticism it was something to behold Trey Jones probably the best uh, perimeter defender in all of college basketball Medved talked about that post game watching him was it was fun I mean he just locked down every guard on the roster it was something to watch it was just it was really entertaining Cassius Stanley might have thrown the best in-game dunk I've ever seen I mean he jumped from like a foot within the free throw line and he absolutely could have dunked from the free throw line. He went for height, not for distance. And it, it was just astounding to see these guys in person. They were so, just so talented, so huge. Like, they, they look big on TV. I mean, it's I've seen plenty of basketball players in my day that are big, don't get me wrong, but just seeing, like, how much of the floor they actually take up when they have their five-man lineup out there, it's... It's something else, and even Medved talked about that after the game. He's like, this is just 
they're one of the the top teams for a reason and they play hard and coach k really really going to have a chance to win a national championship this year i think so just a crazy experience it was cool to be a part of part of uh coach k's press conference at the end i really felt like a legit reporter there not gonna lie it was a kind of a surreal moment to just be sitting in there and being like how many times have i watched coach k on espn like it's crazy that i'm just sitting here right now and i could you know ask him a question but just a just a really cool experience for csu basketball as a whole i definitely had a blast but i i have some some takeaways from this game that i want to get into one of which is regarding nico carvacho i'm kind of happy that he got this experience he's a guy who's he's been through a lot like let's let's just be real his college basketball experience has not been that of the the typical d1 guy he's had to deal with a lot emotionally he's seen basically every player that he came in with either you know graduate or move on because of transfers so he's kind of the lone wolf that's still here obviously a great teammate and he has plenty of friends it's nothing like that but you know what I mean. Everyone that he came in with is now pretty much gone. Um, I think it was cool that he got to play on this big stage. I think there's still a ton of room of improvement for him. I don't think it was like, you know, the breakout game that's going to make him a, a first round draft pick or anything like that. But just cool after everything he's been through to get to play this game, to get to experience it. And even talking to him post game, it was just clear that like this meant a lot to him, this experience was something that he is going to, you know, cherish forever. And I think that's just kind of cool. So if you're a cynic and you're really pissed off that they got blown out by a team that's going to finish in the top five, like, I'm not saying you're wrong because, you know, you should always want to win the game. Like, there's no such thing as moral victories uh, at this level. But I'm just saying in a 30-game season, in the grand scheme of things, it's not like there were really a lot of negative consequences from this game. Maybe... If you bet a bunch of money on Duke not covering the the 24-point spread, maybe that's why you're a little more pissed off. And honestly, that would be understandable because people have been there. You know, who who hasn't been there? Who hasn't missed on a bet? I certainly have missed on a few. Uh, did pretty well on our football prediction bets for the weekend, though. We're going to talk about that after the break. Uh, but here are just a couple more takeaways from that Duke game. Uh, as it currently stands, people have been like, why has P.J. Bird not played yet? Uh, he got that waiver over the the summer that made him immediately eligible, but he's kind of just like the 10th man in what is currently a nine-man rotation. It really wouldn't surprise me if he ends up redshirting. Um, I'm not saying he will, but just kind of based on what I'm hearing at this point, they're just they're kind of struggling to find minutes for him, and it seems like a waste to waste to you know just use a season of eligibility if he's only going to get like five minutes a game I mean it's possible but like as it currently stands Chris Martin uh, going for 31 and a half minutes a game that's a lot I think they'd probably like to get it down closer to like 28 29 uh, maybe even 27 Isaiah Stevens 30 and a half minutes Kendall Moore 29 minutes a game and then off the bench you also got uh, Edwards coming in for 18 and a half minutes and John Tanja playing an eight uh, so at this point there's just not a lot of minutes to be had at that guard position um, I know it feels kind of weird to redshirt someone that you got a waiver for, but I think it would have been like a bad relationship if you didn't try to get the waiver. I think that was just more about the optics. I'm sure they told him that they would apply for one when they were recruiting, and, and you want to stay true to your word, but 
it's just been an interesting offseason. I think they probably started recruiting him when it wasn't when they weren't sure if Edwards was going to come back or not. And then when he did, it kind of, well, they just had too many cooks in the kitchen. And, you know, Edwards has looked really good. He's honestly looked really solid in that role as a six man. And I think he'll probably get even more minutes than he's played in these first couple of games as the season progresses. So with that in mind, maybe you end up redshirting PJ Bird. Maybe you don't. I do think they will redshirt James Moores for sure, the big man. We will see, though. I was talking to Joe Desimond before the game, and he kind of told me, like, the amount of improvement that Moores has made in just, like, these last couple of months has really been impressive to the staff, and they're really excited about him. He's still raw, but he has just a ton of potential. I mean, this was a guy who was basically just sitting at home last year not playing basketball, and now he's back in the mix, and he's just making huge strides. So there is a chance that he will play this year, especially if, you know, you get an injury bug. If something happens, knock on wood, you don't want to see that happen. But if, you know, Carvacho went down, hopefully not, obviously not. Or Deshaun Thomas or, you know, if this old one of these guys, they don't have a ton of depth at forward, but I do think they have enough to where they could redshirt him. And I think ideally they would like to redshirt him. That's probably at least where they're leaning to. At least that's the indication that I got from the conversations with the assistants uh, this weekend. But overall, we'll see. I, I just I don't think we'll see a ton of P.J. Bird or James Moores this season. But, you know, who knows? A lot can happen. Like I said, things can change really quickly. Uh, we're going to talk a little bit of football after the break. But real quick, here is just some audio from Nico Medved postgame from Duke, just talking about uh, his team and kind of what they gained from this experience. You know, you look at this and I... We've got such a young team and a lot of guys, and I think it took a lot of courage for us to come out here and to play this game and, you know, Duke's home opener like this. And we hung in there, and I, I think there's some things for us to build on. Clearly, uh, man, Coach K's got that team playing so hard. I mean, they are committed, and that's what Duke always does. And obviously, we weren't able to get into any kind of offense whatsoever, and they sped us up. And we knew that would happen, uh, probably even to a larger extent than we realized. Um, but, but again, no, I really like my team. I thought our young guys got a ton of experience out there today. And I do think there's some good things for us to build on. And um, this is such a great environment. There's nothing that these guys will see. You know, you got all these freshman young guys come out here in their first game on the road in college basketball. And it's like, welcome to the, welcome to the big time guys. And um, so, you know, I made that decision to put them in this environment. And I don't regret that a bit because I did see a lot of growth out there from those guys. And we're going to learn from this a ton. And this is going to help us as we get better and better. And uh, I think our team's got a chance to compete and we play our Talking to you before the game, you know, you said you wanted to see consistent effort, didn't want to see any runs where they got, you know, breakaway dunks, stuff like that. Did you feel like the effort was consistent? I did. I, I, I thought, you know, obviously they're so, you know, that they scored out of our offense. You know, sometimes the turnovers, it's hard. But I thought there were stretches in the game, especially in the first half, where we got back and we got our defense set and we made them work late into the shot clock and we were able to contest shots. And I thought our rebounding effort was pretty good, you know, at times. So I thought there were stretches where defensively we executed exactly what we wanted to do against this team. So I think that's something that we can really build on that way. So I think there were stretches that I really, really liked. I don't think they got 
if it wasn't a, a turnover, I don't think this team got a ton in transition. You know what I mean? They scored a lot late on some stick backs and some easy baskets, but I thought there were stretches where we played pretty good on defense. It's time to take a second to acknowledge Breckenridge Brewery, the official beer of DNVR. Breck recently collaborated with Colorado's own Talbot Cider Company to create an apple blonde ale that tastes like late summer in a glass. Brewed with 49% unprocessed apple cider from the fabled Palisade Grand Valley produce region, Colorado Core has the crisp tart taste of apples with a clean bone dry finish. Crafted to reduce gluten-free so you won't feel guilty for reaching for a round or two, this crowd pleaser will be popular at your barbecue, family functions, whatever you're doing. Check it out at your local liquor store. All right, it was a bye week for CSU football, so no action for the Rams. Not necessarily uh, as much of a reason for CSU fans to tune in to the Mountain West slate, but it really was a killer weekend for Mountain West football. There were four games. Every single one of them was a one-score game. Uh, All of them were tight. They were all competitive throughout. It was just... It was a good weekend for Mountain West. I mean, it's been, it really has been a good season. I know that this league isn't perfect. The bottom, uh, the bottom is certainly, it's, it's the bottom. It's, it's not good. The, the bottom of the league is worse than a lot of other leagues. But honestly, I think from, if you look at it as a whole, it's, it's fairly competitive. And this year in particular has been interesting. There have been a lot of surprise teams, a lot of, a lot of teams that were in contention for bowls that we didn't expect, but it was a good weekend, and we're going to talk about that in just a second. But before we do that, we're just going to briefly go over the four games that we talked about on Friday. Uh, the the bets that we talked about that I suggested went three of four, not bad. Uh, the the one we were I'm stoked about got that Minnesota upset right over Penn State. They were seven point underdogs at home, which I didn't I didn't really understand. I mean. They were, you saw it in the AP poll too. I mean, there there just wasn't a lot of love for Minnesota going into this game. They had played somewhat of a of a weak schedule, at least compared to the rest of the league. And to that extent, I get it. But the fact that they were a full touchdown underdog at home seemed kind of odd to me. And so I was like, I don't know. I would I would take Minnesota in that game. They ended up winning outright. So if you took the Gophers in that, congrats. Uh, cool that PJ Fleck has got that team rolling. Will be interesting to see how they finish because God, Ohio State is just so freaking good this year. The athletes they have, they're so explosive. Um, you know them, Ohio State and LSU look like the best two teams in the country at this point. I, I hate to admit it, it's well known that I am an Alabama fan. Uh, so obviously, disappointing weekend for me. That Alabama-LSU game, it was phenomenal. I mean, I loved the fight that the Crimson Tide showed, the fact that they were able to come storming back after the really just brutal end of that first half, got the turnover, and then LSU goes up by three scores before the break. It was tough to watch. I I felt for a minute like it was going to be like the Clemson National Championship game last year, but you know they, they showed a lot of resolve in that game. They showed a lot of fight, and I think I think when it's all said and done, there's still a chance for Alabama to sneak into the playoff. Uh, we'll see. I don't know how anyone watched that game and and came to any other conclusion that like these are two of the top four teams. I I get that they deserve to drop down just based on the process. One, they haven't played an overwhelmingly difficult schedule this season coming into it. But if they end up winning out just based on 
the the remaining schedule for some of these other teams, I think there's still definitely going to be a chance. Uh, history would indicate that, and I know that's a sore spot for some people, but I just think, hey man, like I I don't know how you watched those two teams yesterday on Saturday and thought, you know, those aren't two of the top four teams. Those aren't two teams that deserve a chance for a title. But it was a it was just a thrilling game. So the other games that we got right though on the, on the bets, uh, Washington they were. 10-point favorites over Oregon State on the road, said that you should take them to cover. They did, in fact, cover. Uh, Oregon State, just the weirdest deal. They're really good. or not. I mean, they're they're a lot better on the road this year than they've been at home. It's just one of those weird cases. Um, that one kind of just seemed like easy money. Uh, the other easy money, Nevada, 17-point underdogs against San Diego State. We said on Friday, I'm not sure if San Diego State can even score 17 points the fact that they were 17 point favorites in this was it was absolutely wild so we said bet on Nevada Nevada ended up upsetting in this game so if you took them you look like a smart person you're welcome we tried to help you out there but the the fourth and final game the only one we got wrong of course Colorado took Stanford they were three point favorites on the road said that you know said that they would cover in Boulder. CU kind of just looked awful over the last couple of weeks, and you know I just I can't ever get the Buffs to do what I want them to do. Bet on CU men's basketball in the Pac-12 tournament last year against uh, Washington. To you know I took the Buffs to upset on that day. They choked and killed me. Then I could have had the perfect weekend this time around. Of course they find a way to beat Stanford. <laughs> Really, uh, really frustrating. Could have gone four for four, but you know that's just classic CU. Can't ever get them to do what I want. They beat CSU when I don't want them to. They they win the games I don't want them to. They lose the games I don't want them to. So, classic CU move. Uh, I got a lot of friends that are Buffs fans, obviously. So happy for Ryan and Allie and Henry and all these people that you know it makes their lives better when CU wins. But obviously, a lot of folks in Fort Collins that would have liked to see them lose. That said, I don't think they're going to make a bowl game. They've just got too difficult of a schedule to finish. I just don't see them beating Washington or Utah. You never know. I mean, wilder things have happened, but especially Utah on the road, that just seems like too tall of a task. We'll see. Like CSU, they are fighting for bowl eligibility, but it's going to be interesting kind of couple last couple of weeks here Along the front range, Air Force competing for a Mountain West Conference championship. Wyoming still kind of in the mix. They kind of basically blew their chance when they lost to Boise State. <sighs> they had Boise State on the ropes. We're going to talk about it in just a sec uh, pretty briefly here. But interesting, interesting things happening along the front range. CSU, CU, Air Force, Wyoming. All these teams are at least like pretty decent. They're all playing pretty good football at the moment. Uh, so going to be a lot to talk about over the, the final month of this season. And then, you know, as we ad- advance towards bowl season and all that, we'll obviously keep be, you know, we'll keep talking about it all. Got really tongue tied there. All right. Now uh, let's, let's start with the solemn news. San Jose State RIP in pieces. Uh, they will not be bowl eligible this year. It really just unfortunate. Probably the, the worst thing that's happened to me since, I don't know, Alabama lost to LSU on Saturday. Not over it, folks. I'm definitely not over it. I really wanted San Jose State to make a bowl game this year. I just thought they were a fun team. I thought it was a fun story. Uh, they they competed well against Hawaii on the road. They went 
score for score with them as they have with every opponent that they've played this season. But Chevin Cordero and Hawaii just able to to pull it out at home. Hawaii is one of the toughest places to steal a win. And I'll tell you what, this Cordero kid looks pretty good at quarterback. I I was a big Cole McDonald fan, and I was bummed to see him not in the starting lineup. But this Cordero kid kind of balled out, and I don't know, maybe they they might have something rolling there with Hawaii. Uh, Nick Rolovich seems to just really be able to to recruit quality quarterbacks. I think part of it is the offense. They line that spread, and they put a bunch of fast wide receivers out and really just kind of get your defensive backs out of whack. But, you know, it's a fun offense. They're a fun team. Congrats to Hawaii. Uh, they, they've been up and down all season, but they're trying to keep uh, their bowl chances alive. They actually still have a chance at winning the West Division. The West is really wild. San Diego State, Fresno State, Hawaii, all these teams – can all win it because they all still have to play each other and depending on how it all you know plays out they a lot of these different teams could potentially represent the west in the mountain west championship game so it's going to be a really wild finish in the year uh utah state they beat fresno state uh jordan love able to rally there were some really questionable decisions by jeff tedford in this game fresno state uh leading late they had a fourth and short and midfield could have gone for it could have sealed the deal but chose to punt Utah State goes down and scores I just really hate playing to lose I I I really wish more coaches would call to win but hey I mean I guess I get it if you gamble and lose then somebody else will come at you and and say you're an idiot but I just I thought it was an odd decision to to play conservative there especially given uh, how many close games Fresno State's already lost like what do you have to lose at this point might as well go for the kill when you can uh, but that's just me. That's just how I think coaches should play the game. But, you know, I also don't get paid millions of dollars to make these decisions, and these guys do. So maybe they know something that I don't. Wyoming, Boise State, probably the best game. Uh, the Nevada-San Diego State game was really competitive, but it was just not fun to watch. All the other games were a lot more fun. Uh, one, they had more offense, or Wyoming-Boise State was a defensive battle as well, but it was just quality football. It was a lot more entertaining, a lot more thrilling. Uh, Wyoming ultimately misses the field goal in overtime with a chance to tie. Uh, they had Boise State on the rope so many times in this game, but just their inability to score points, I think it's what's ultimately going to hold them back. Them and San Diego State both, they have really legitimate defenses, like really just quality, stout defenses. They can defend the pass and the run. Uh, they they rush the quarterback well, they can create turnovers, all that stuff, but neither one of these teams can throw the football to save their lives. And ultimately, I think that's what's going to give CSU an opportunity in this Wyoming game coming up in a couple of weeks. Uh, we'll see. Obviously, got Air Force coming up this weekend, and we're certainly going to talk about that game all week. I have a column uh, coming out, uh, I guess well, that'll be coming out Tuesday morning, uh, depending on when you listen to this podcast. Maybe it's already up, but... Yeah, all kinds of stuff happening in the Mountain West. We will be talking about it all. Uh, Really, really going to be fun down this final stretch. As I said, it's been an interesting football season for the Mountain West, and now we've got college basketball rolling too. So now is the perfect time to join the family, to be a subscriber of DNBR Rams, getting a lot of positive feedback, and I just appreciate everyone so much that subscribed because you guys are the reason that, you know, I get to go on these trips to Duke. I get to 
do what I do for a living and it's just, I'm really fortunate and I love you guys. I appreciate you guys. Hope everyone has a great week. We will have all kinds of content. Got two basketball games and a football game. So all kinds of stuff coming up, all kinds of content. Stick with us through it all. Follow us on Twitter at DNVR Rams underscore follow us or DNVR underscore Rams. Excuse me. Follow us uh, on Twitter at Justin T. Michael. All kinds of good stuff coming. Peace. Scummy like Martin Scarelli Turn jam into jelly Then drink it like juice But water's the truth So I sip on that too Skinny looking kid With no car keys Like the only thing I drive Is RCRV He's got the stash Like Steve Harvey Oh I'm gnarly